1: Welcome along to the Wise Men Safe Preview podcast. Tonight it's me, Frankie Francis, and Roy Fellow. Good evening. And Richard Easterbrook. Hello. Are you okay? I'm very good. Thank you very much. Oh, are you okay? Excellent. After, excellent. The, after, after the form Sunland
3: have had recently, how could we not be anything below excellent?
1: Yes. Well, coming up on uh, tonight's program, uh, well, podcast, program. Why does it program? It's a podcast. Uh, we will be uh, hearing from Charlie Methven. He'll be on the program on the phone. Like a you know like like a real like a ra- radio like a show. radio show. Yeah. That's why it's a program. I think uh, also we'll be listening to Jack Ross's uh, pre-game presser, as I believe the, the the journals call it. They don't say press conference; they just call it presser. Gotta call it a presser. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, While you lean against the jukebox and like, yeah, yeah, hit it with your fists so like, it, like plays a song. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and uh, we will be looking, of course, at Oxford United, who are the opposition on Sunderland's first home three o'clock. A fixture on a Saturday afternoon of the season. Exciting. Always nice. Yeah, always nice. Uh, let's start by a look back briefly at the weekend. Uh, I know the guys covered it on Monday night with uh, Nick Barnes. Um, but uh, what were your perceptions of the weekend's football action? Richards, let's start with you.
4: Well, I think it's probably already been covered, but that was our first big test in terms of actually size. They were big. So, <laughs> you know, we're going to face a lot of those in League One. Um, and we've got to change our game a little bit, adapt a bit, and in the, the fact we had to come from behind as well um, again, again, showing a bit of character which which we haven't shown in previous seasons. So it's all a bit of a treat, really, isn't it?
3: Yeah, like the coming from behind thing um, again. The lads covered it a lot on Monday, but it's it can't be reemphasized enough the fact mm-hmm. that when Sunderland went 1-0 down, especially early in a game, after, you know, less than 10 minutes, yeah. you'd just be like, game over. You start thinking about what you're going to do with the rest of your day or what you you're going to have for your tea yeah. or whatever. You kind of, like, would emotionally check. Even if you if you're not one of those people who left early, you'd kind of emotionally check out from the game. Mm. Whereas now... You, you, you don't believe it's over. You, you think, all right, they're going to react to this.
1: Yeah, and not just reaction from the players. Uh, we've got a, a manager for the first time in what seems like forever who is, uh, you know, not too, uh, I guess, arrogant to change things up, to say he got it wrong and just change things. Change things have a plan B. You know, yeah, we've seen totally. for too long we've had uh, managers who were stubborn. Really, we've had some yeah, really yeah, stubborn yeah, managers, right. haven't we? And it's refreshing that, you know, uh, Jack Ross seems to em- employ plan B systems. He's had that from from day one as well. He seems to have got straight into that, and the fans have kind of accepted it straight away, and
4: they're mm-hmm. kind of given him a bit of slack. And when something goes wrong in a game, or if we see something from the stands, we've got like absolute confidence that that he's going to change it. He's, yeah. he's noticed it as well, and he's yeah. going to do something about it, which which we haven't had in, a, in quite a long time. Yeah,
3: I think the team sort of plays in his in his image in that way that they're assured but not overly arrogant, and they'll adapt what they have to do. He's the team looks very fluid at the minute. I spoke about this um, after the Gillingham game, but they do look the way we line up. You could probably say it's like a four-two-three-one, but they don't actually play like that. They no. play, and, and Jack Ross said this himself. The mm. way that it's actually more of a back three. Yeah. Um, I think Nick Barnes actually said that on Monday yeah. because we either use Reese James or Oviedo push up, yeah. so he's not too like rigid with the way they play on the pitch. But then he's not. Well, we have to stick to this certain way. Mm. You like you're saying, Frankly, you will adapt to it and. The way he brought McGeoch on, the way he took power off, that was a really big call to take Max Power off because he's been brilliant since he came in. But he's played nearly every game since he's arrived yeah. in you know, pretty much 90 minutes. I don't know if he's been substituted before then, the, could, actually.
1: Could those two play together at all? Can you see those two being on the pitch together, McGeoch and Power? I don't say why not. Yeah. You could say it's maybe a bit too
3: attack-minded, but Power's not.
1: It's not like you should have just it's been, been very impressed with uh, power. And it'd be a shame that, you know, if McGee does come back to full fitness, that someone's got to be sacrificed. And because yeah. they're quite similar, we're going to be playing know. a lot of games. And obviously, we've got
3: the Checker Trade trophy, so where we have yeah. to play six of our starting 11 from the previous game. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a lot of rotation, a lot of midweek games in this division, like we had in the championship. So. Mm-hmm. They'll get their chances um, and you never know when injuries, suspensions could come in as well, especially with like, with, you know, powered, like I say, doesn't shirk get tackle and yeah. so we know what catamole's like, um, mm. apart from the fact he's a goal scoring machine now, that's not a, a yellow machine, card machine.
1: Isn't it? yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. And you talk about taking the chances, what about that then? No one saw that coming. I think
4: that 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 volley, it doesn't get enough praise. I mean, that's I think that's the kind of the beauty and also the, the, the bad side about being in League One is that you don't see any kind of analysis the week after yeah so yeah. whereas in the premier league if that had happened we'd been talking about it days afterwards and they've mm. been re- replayed you, you saw one replay on quest yeah and, <laughs> and then if anyone's I've, ever seen quest yet have you seen i've it? seen i've, I've watched I've seen it i watched quest. it the first and it was it was, it was all, it was all yeah, right colin murray's doing it yeah, yeah colin murray's it? It. Yeah. it's in
1: safe hands but he must be getting paid all right for that yeah know. well there's no budget gone anywhere else essentially in like a red room yeah because uh, it's like all green tw- 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 screen, Twin Peaks doesn't yeah. it like the room that and really. I don't think they've even got a monitor in there they're just sitting <laughs> around like a coffee table discussing yeah. uh, obviously the, the, the action but yeah you, you're right you don't get to celebrate these moments as maybe they would have been celebrated in the high leagues and that's a bit of a shame but you know we are where we are Rory. yeah
3: exactly and that's part of the fun of it like we're really enjoying ourselves at the minute and the fact that it's it is quite a lot of these places we're going to are quite ramshackle and you, it's not that you don't even see much analysis of Cattenwall's goal. You don't even see, like, another angle. No, you because don't. Because the no. camera's so quick yeah. as well, I've, you don't feel like you've properly seen... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know you, what don't you mean don't completely, yeah. actually see him hit the ball very well because... No. I don't know if any of you watching it on the stream, um, the SAFC stream, but. No, I was in Turkey. The guy. No Wi Fi. You should have been. <laughs> You're abroad. Yeah, You're the exactly. only one who probably yeah. legally was allowed to have watch used it. You can use my hotel room <laughs> as the yeah. IP address. No, I actually, I, I made a trip to Massachusetts to watch oh, it. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. You,
1: you get around. You've got some air miles. Yeah, too, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah.
3: Um, but that's the thing. It's, it's, it's ramshackle in this division, and that's why I think we're enjoying it so much. It's something different. Yes, we probably don't want to be here forever, but that's why it's fun. This is, for me, and I think a lot of supporters feel this way. It's making us feel more connected to the club. I know Absolutely. that's because we're winning games as well, but it's really, really fun. Mm-hmm. There's you know, we're recording this podcast in Gateshead, there's a certain team, stadium we can see, who are having the most miserable time at the minute in yeah. the Premier League. They finished tenth last season and they're protesting every week. Yeah. It's quite weird that we're the ones enjoying ourselves. I know yeah. if we were losing games that might not be the same, but It's really fun. It's like we're engaged with our club. We've got like owners who seem to care. We've got a manager and who's bringing we're getting like young players like coming through, local lads. It's great. Like like I say, we don't want to be here forever, but if we were still in that stifling world of the Premier League, Mm. we probably wouldn't be able to have like Major leading the line. Like you you would, there'd be too much pressure like on the club, wouldn't there? Like Gooch wouldn't be starting every week and probably wouldn't have be having as much fun, like I say. So Let's just enjoy it while we And we're it going. seems that
1: the players are having fun as well amongst each other. Um, most famously recently, uh, Max Power has this strange relationship with uh, Donald Love, it seems. Uh, which obviously spell, Did they have a spell together at Wigan? Yeah, they're yeah, all yeah. Wigan together. Uh, uh, have you seen this, Richard, on yeah, Instagram? Yeah. Are you a fan I've, of this?
4: I have especially followed um, MP yeah. 1985. <laughs> 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 yeah. um, it's, it's interesting. It, it, it's a very fine line, though. He's got, he's got to be careful with that because the, the club's the HR department might be looking at it as well. Some light bullying. It's on the spectrum of bullying. Like, it's, it's funny.
3: I've like, I haven't used Instagram for like years and I've started you, using Instagram again know, just because I'm sick of missing out on like Max, yeah. Like the thing yesterday where I was just jumping out, scaring Donald well, this
1: is How much has changed? You know, on Instagram a few seasons ago, there was um, Fletcher posing with his brand new ferrari or yeah, lamborghini yeah. after a defeat and now we've got um max power jumping out <laughs> we're, we're <laughs> each of you putting bible verses yeah, on as well. <laughs> you know the, the relationship with the players on social media has been a bit weird but I, I feel like everyone's like kind of on a on a level platform i feel like you know if we if a player was to come in now he could just engage with us in conversation because he's having just as much fun as we are
3: yeah the they seem to have signed it's Kind of similar. When, lovely like, lads. Nile, yeah, like when Niall <laughs> Quinn and Roy Keane were at the club. I don't know if you can call Max Power lovely, to be fair. Yeah. That would probably be the thing. Like, type of lad you'd want to come like on your stag do, but maybe not the kind of lad you'd want to come to your mum and dad's he, house for Sunday dinner. He would be
1: your best man because he would nail you. Yeah, yeah. but he'd
3: go too far as well. Yeah. He wouldn't like have... You know, when like the nans at a wedding are like laughing, even though it's a bit cheeky and they shouldn't no. maybe be laughing yeah. at it, he'd go like the other way where they were just absolutely disgusted with him, I think. Yeah. But the signing players at the minute, who it's similar to when like Niall Quinn and Roy Keane were at the club. The right characters for the club, mm. so you f- and because of that, you feel more engaged with them well,
1: for the first time in a long time. You you can see uh, kids at the game with players' names on their shirts, and it's a little things like that. You know, for the last couple of seasons, whose name would you get on a shirt if you're you know, you've got a small child, Richard, yeah. not with you, just uh, <laughs> oh, no, randomly. You're a family man, not you're a child snatcher. Um, but you know, now they've got players that they will know their names, and you know, and it, for once, for the first time in a while, you know, the club are putting. His names on the back. Yeah, totally. But that's
4: it's it's winning. That's what's doing it. Mm. It's it's the thing that's running through everything at the moment is that everyone's happy because because the club's winning. Yeah. Um. That may change if we have a difficult spell. I'm pretty confident we're not going to lose more games than we win this season. I think we're yeah. definitely going to be on the other the other side of things. Um. So yeah, I, I mean I took my I took my little into a few games last season and that was like a bit of a back to back to the fire cuz you know I was taking her there and I'm going you know we are going to lose this game mm. and she's like no we're not and I was like that at your age and we're, we're going to lose this game. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm looking forward to taking her a few games this season where we actually do have a chance. Better than fifty percent chance of winning a game.
1: Well, that's probably what brings us on to uh, attendances and something uh, Charlie Methven's been rallying around all week. Trying to, he wants to break thirty-two thousand this weekend, with it being the first three o'clock on a Saturday. Uh, And he's he's even uh, been speaking about people uh, staying till the end. He said that he spoke to some players after the Scunthorpe game, and he couldn't. Mm. Some players apparently tried to go back out um, to enjoy the win with the fans, and you know only to find that there was only a few probably a few thousand left in the ground you know cutting the players off yeah. Rory why do you think that is um, do you think it's because of the years of hurt or do you think it's just simply because people that, that, that has happened and now people's culture
3: has become yeah, slipping people, out early? people get into routines yeah. don't they I think Meffin has made the point which is worth reiterating that some people do have genuine reasons to leave early mm-hmm. like could be work or you know something just might happen on the day but for the majority of us we don't need to leave early. Like, yeah. a lot of people are leaving early just to beat the traffic. Or And I know some people do travel as well. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of exiles with season tickets. Yeah. But if you, I would make the same argument that if you're travelling all that way, mm. you want to enjoy every... And I've actually seen a few exiles make this point, actually, to be fair. Um, you want to enjoy every second of it because it's more special because you've actually travelled a long way. Um, and why would you leave early just to sake of get a pint ten minutes earlier? Like yeah. stay and enjoy the match. Like the players want to recognise your support that you given given them, and I think building that bond back between players and supporters is really important. So you know, stay back, clap them off at the end. You yeah. you remember things like that. And Like I say we're enjoying ourselves at the minute, so enjoy it as much as you can. But the reason why, um, I say, I think I think you're right with people. Have been apathetic over the last few years and they do just get into routines. Um, and that's hard to break as well for yeah. a lot of people. A lot of people get set in their ways, etc cetera. Um, but winning games will change that. If the mentality keeps as positive and the feeling around the club stays as positive as it has been, it'll, it will go back to being like it was in the, the sort of the first time we moved into the stadium of life, mm. where people we were getting really big crowds and people were staying at the end and creating really loud home atmospheres keep doing what they're doing and in playing the type of football that they're doing like the Scunthorpe game being a really good example Mm -hmm. things will change and people will stay at the end and the crowds will go up and the noise levels will go up like everything will just that positivity will continue
4: you grow.
1: You're listening to the Wiseman Say podcast. I'm delighted to say that on the phone now we have FCSC Executive Director Mr Charlie Methven. How are you doing Charlie?
0: Hi Frankie, doing great. Good, good, good.
1: Um, you've got your team coming up on Saturday. Uh, Oxford, how are you feeling about that?
0: I wouldn't describe it as my team. No? Well, not <laughs> no, at all. Sunderland's my team in as much as Uh, It's my Stuart and Juan's team and and all the rest of our team. And, you know, the team that Stuart and I grew up supporting um, is is coming on on Saturday. Yeah. um, Which obviously will be a, um, you know, a a day of somewhat mixed emotions because I think any proper football fan will know that, you know, when the team wearing the colours that you have grown up supporting runs out on the pitch, you're used to wanting them to win. Yeah. So um, being in a position where you don't want them to win will be a strange, a strange thing.
1: Yeah. Have you got any friends coming up? Or any old friends coming up for the for the first time? Maybe. Oh,
0: not many. About seventy or eighty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it's going
1: to be a party on Saturday night, no matter what the result is, Charlie.
0: Well, we'll see about that. Yeah. Uh,
1: have you been pleased with the start of the season then? For yeah, Sunderland, I think, obviously.
0: I think if, if anyone had given us the events of the last month, if somebody had said to us in in July, um, after you know what were fairly bat breaking months in in May, June, and July, if someone had said to us at the end of July. You' will win for and draw one of your um, of your first five games you'll have huge attendances um, and uh, players coming back from injury yeah uh, uh, yeah of course we'd have taken that and been really happy about it
1: yeah good it's been a great start especially at the stadium alike undefeated in the league at home. Saturday is the first three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday afternoon, which I think uh, you will agree gives people an opportunity to maybe come down for the first time this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously a vast number of people have already come back um, in terms of the attendance we've seen, you know, the average of our two home games, two league home games, state has been about 30,000 or a bit more than 30,000 in terms of people actually being in the ground, about 29,000. Um, yeah. The number of people in the ground for most games last season was 20,000, 21,000. So we're already seeing a, a significant number of people coming back into the stadium. Um the aspiration is is to build that crowd, that live attendance um, on a continual basis. And it, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, mm-hmm. There are, you know, lots of different reasons why people have fallen out with the club over the last um, year, two years, three years, five years, because in reality, that was five years and the club was losing just a lot of games. Um, and then on top of that, wasn't necessarily being run away that fans agree with wasn't necessarily being spoken about in a way that fans agree with all sorts of divisive things going on so that doesn't get healed overnight but what we're looking to do is is to get the bandwagon rolling you know yeah. um and uh, the bandwagon has to start somewhere i think it started with the charles game um and the trust um and i think there's a sort of unspoken contract between um football fans and uh players and directors and people who work the club and the and, and the The unspoken contract is we're all going to give our best. And when the people on the professional side of the club, whether it be players, directors, or um, other people associated with the club, manage to give off the impression they're not giving their best, then fans eventually say, well, that's that's it. Why would I keep on turning up if you guys aren't doing your best? Mm. There's a lot of trust to be rebuilt. Um, Hopefully, whatever else is happening or not happening, um, there's a group of people at the club who who are giving their best.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What would you say to those fans who maybe haven't been back to the stadium uh, of light yet this season? What can they expect from the matchday experience?
0: We're trying to improve that all the time. Yeah. Um, I think the main difference that they will see is that there are many more people in the stadium, um, that the atmosphere is both uh, louder and more positive, um, and that gradually the issues of the matchday experience, whether it be... The um, fan zone um, not um, uh, not happening or not being satisfactory, or whether it be um, queues for, for drinks. Gradually, we're arming our way through these issues, and and hoping to get to the point where it's something which, broadly speaking, most people say, Do "You know what? That's a good day out." Um, yeah. Because, however much we all see supporting our teams a duty, it is meant to be fun as well.
1: Yeah, and, and imagine uh, from what we've learned already from you guys since taking over the club, you 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 really want to hear from the fans and how how they find their match matchday experiences and lead to give their feedback back to you, and then you give back to them. You know, ultimately, a better experience.
0: Yeah, um, we did a really huge survey with the Red and White Army. Ten thousand people responded, and the amount of feedback contained in that survey is enough to keep us um, very very busy in terms of improvements for the next. Um, six months, 12 months, um, and those improvements will be being rolled out on a gradual basis, um, but I think that people who do come back will, I hope, immediately feel the the general improvement and will then, over the following matches, see that that's an improvement that's a sort of gradual um <sighs> upward curve rather than the other way around. Look, we can't guarantee we're going to win every home game. That's just not going to happen. That's just not the way football works. Um, And you know what? If it did, it wouldn't be such an exciting sport. Mm. But um, if people can see overall an upward gradient, things being done in the right way, the players trying to play in the right way, the staff behaving in the right way, um, the atmosphere building in the right way, the, the directors interacting in the right way, if people can see and feel, but this is all moving in the right direction. Hopefully, they'll think, well, I can be part of that. That's something I can buy into.
1: Yeah, that sounds something that I'm sure a lot of fans would want to get on board with. Charlie, you've also said in the press this week uh, that you're concerned that you know, people should stay until the very end and cheer the players off the pitch. Why is that important to you?
0: So I'm going to get back to this, this phrase I use, unspoken contract. When we came to the club, a lot of Sunderland fans said to us, quite reasonably and realistically, the bare minimum we expect as fans of this club, as people who put their heart and soul into this club, the bare minimum that we expect is that the players that go out there wearing red and white striped shirts give their all for the club. And if sometimes they come up short, we'll accept that if they're giving their absolute all. And I think that's absolutely right. And I think that's noble. And I think that's the the correct aspiration. And every time that someone said that to me, I said, well, that's our our responsibility. Um, As owners, as directors, our responsibility is to appoint the people to achieve that outcome of having 17 players who give their absolute all out there on the pitch. But I think that there is a a, a flip side to that coin, which is um, if the players are going to give their all and if the directors are going to be hardworking and give their all and not take money out of the club and they're going to um, be transparent and, and, and engaged with the fans. And if all elements of the club are going to be doing the very best they can to be the best they can in the jobs that they do. Mm. I think at some point there's a responsibility on supporters to be the best supporters that they can be. And I struggle with the idea that being the best supporter you can be is flipping up your seat after 82 minutes and buggering off the pub for an early pint. Mm. I don't think that is being the best supporter you can be. Yeah. Um, but ultimately that's saying it's more important to me to get an extra few drip, you know, drips of beer in my gut than it is to cheer on the players, um, to bond with them after a victory, to commiserate with them after defeat. Um, That that is where the supporters can demonstrate that they are being the very best that they can be. And absolutely, I get that they deserve to see that the rest of us are doing the best that we can first, and I hope that they can see that. I really hope that every word that Jack Ross says, and every word that we say and every action that we make and every action that the players make demonstrate absolute commitment. And I just hope at some point that that respect, which is being paid to Sunderland's colours, to the history, to the institution, the fans then think, well, how can I do the best that I can do? Yeah. Um, and the best that I can do does mean supporting the club from five or ten minutes before the game starts to five minutes after the game ends. That's, that's, the, that's the entire experience of watching a football match. We all know that from when we started watching football. You didn't turn up two minutes into a game. You didn't leave 10 minutes before the game. I just think that in five to 10 years of a fair amount of disrespect being shown to the fans of Sunderland Football Club, gradually Sunderland fans started to show disrespect back, which is totally understandable and absolutely correct. I mean, you know, uh, that's just the way life is. You It shouldn't be a one-sided relationship and and nor am I expecting that It should be a one-sided relationship. But equally, we don't want to end up with it being a one sided relationship in the other direction. I think, you know, the best relationships have responsibilities in both directions. I was very struck the other day that after Man United got mullered at home by Spurs, yeah. um, 3 0. They lost 3 0 at home, and there were tens of thousands of Man United fans in the ground at the end chanting Man United songs. And actually, you could see Mourinho almost moved to tears by it, mm. which takes quite a lot to move that hardened Harden soul to tears. And I thought, well, it's interesting because we were winning 3 <laughs> 0 against Gunthorpe. And about 81, 82 minutes, 15,000 people left the ground. Yeah. And, you know, I bumped into a couple of players in the tunnel afterwards who was, like, oh, we're just going to go out and celebrate with the fans. There are no fans left to celebrate with. And I just think that that's a residue of five or 10 years of neglect on, on, on the part of, of, of the club, the people who have played the club, yeah. people who have managed the club, the people who have run the club. And at some point, as we turn our side a bit round, I hope that the fans who do leave value will start to think it's just a little bit more important for the players to feel that it's a great club to play for, for the manager to feel it's a great club to manage, and for opposing fans to feel, and opposing players to feel that's a proper, proper club. When fifteen thousand people leave ten minutes before the end, you know there'll be a little bit of everybody, on thinks think that, yeah, that's not ideal.
1: Yeah. Uh, Charlie, I'm, I'm, I'm sure a lot of Sunderland fans will be listening to this and will decide to maybe postpone that uh, after-match pint for another 10 minutes or so. Uh, Charlie, I know you are got a very busy man, so thanks very much for taking the time out to speak to us this evening on Wise Men's Day podcast, and we'll see you on Saturday at the game. Thank you, thank you Frankie. Cheers. So that was Charlie Methven speaking about attendances and wanting people to stay till the end. Very passionate about that as well. He's got a point as well, Richard, hasn't he? Uh, if it's been a good victory, uh, if you were out on the pitch, you'd want you'd be clapped off, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean,
4: as, as a fan, I want to kind of enjoy that moment myself. I mean, the first game, the only game I've been to this season was the Charlton game. Yep. Obviously, with it being such a late winner, yep. you were there already. You were hanging around, and you could sense something was going to happen with yeah. what six, seven minutes of added on time. I can kind of understand people wanting to get away after okay like, during the Scunthorpe game because yeah. it, was, it was, you know, it was a foregone conclusion and, and Sunday afternoon, and maybe they had. Things to roast do, beef in roast, the oven, <laughs> you know, roast to get back for in time for yeah. five o'clock. So, I kind of understand that, but it it is it is a matter of time. It is a matter of you know we are still a club in recovery, yeah. And things are still very brittle underneath yeah. this exterior of, of of victory and winning every game, and it's going really well. You know, a couple of defeats and it it could go all, go back again. This could all unravel again. Yeah. So we are still a very brittle club, and the fans might not be fully mm. you know on the bus yet. They might yeah. still be thinking. Well, they this are in the yeah. you know, if they're leaving
1: early. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah.
4: You know, this could all come crashing down so it is it's a case of just changing attitudes
1: right let's look ahead at uh, oxford then uh saturday uh three o'clock uh i'll be in the fan zone beforehand who's going to be my guest who knows <laughs> we'll find turn out. up and find out turn up and find out <laughs> uh, from 12 o'clock uh we'll we will we'll be open in the fan zone beforehand a little plug for that uh, because it is good it's a part of that match day experience which charlie touched upon as well and oxford his club uh, well, his supporter club uh, are coming up. He says he's got about 80 or 90 friends coming up for the game. He's going to be a party regardless of the... the he's going to have afterwards. a lovely time. He's going to have a lovely it, time. Cigars being dished out in the boardroom yeah. after the match. Well, he said after it. the Charlton game, because I interviewed him before the Scunthorpe game, I asked him what he did. What, how did it feel when that goal went in? And you know, he said, they disgraced themselves. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> he actually enough. said that. He disgraced himself in the boardroom. It's, he can do what he wants, his Great. club. Well, he owns do well, do well, you own it, 6% of the place. Well, you know, yeah. 6% than that, more
3: than if, I own. Exactly. Exactly. So you can do 6% more than me.
1: Well, let's look at Oxford then. They've um, got off to a mixed start. Well, bad start initially, doesn't it? They got beat 4-0 on the opening day of the season from uh, Barnsley. Uh, Since then, they've got beat off Fleetwood, who we face in a couple of weeks' time. Well, next week, in fact. Um, They also um, got beat off Portsmouth 4-1 away from home. Um, They did score 2 against Accrington Stanley But then conceded 3 And then uh, In their last game They did win They won 3-1 Against Burton And we know all about Burton
3: Yeah um, Um,
1: So yeah So it's Apart from Last week's game uh, They look like They could be Here for another hammering Like they were in 98 Yeah
3: exactly 7-0 7-0 Were you there
1: Richard? No I wasn't no No Well, Great time (laughs) (laughs) Let's (laughs) not talk about that then
4: (laughs) What I do remember Is that end of season video That season um, right. It the, was cut together quite quickly and the goals were rattled through. Yeah. And we did gold music in those days. Yes. So it was uh, James, Brown, James Brown, and it was seven times of wah! <laughs> <laughs> <That's just laughs> all I remember. That was a really good impression as well, by
1: <laughs> the way. A good that shouldn't, James we shouldn't, Brown. We shouldn't go unnoticed. We yeah. should clip that for a little, yeah. uh, little jingle a for Maybe a little outro special bit on the end. Um,
3: I think with Oxford, I'd, the players, Portsmouth, who were obviously doing quite well, um, he said they got beat off. Um, mm-hmm. Burton haven't been doing particularly well considering they came down from the championship with us and Barnsley who've started fairly well they've only uh, scored six goals as well which yeah. should be their concern uh, their biggest concern um, but off the bottom of the table now crucially for them which psychologically does do a lot for you
1: conceded 14 already yeah. though uh, Oh, here, how about this for stat: start every 32 minutes they concede a goal well, haven't we scored fourteen goals in the league this season Class. as well? Off the top of me, that's just
3: off the top. Of my had four against Chillingham, three against Gunthorpe, two against Walsall, two against Charlton, uh, one against Luton, and I've missed out a Wimbledon. game there. Did you say I said Wimbledon. Oh, Sheffield, maybe twenty twelve. There, I didn't say, well, that we didn't score. In that in, game. We didn't score in that game. So twelve goals this season. So yeah. th- you know we've need- almost scored as many as they have conceded so yeah. far. So you have to be quite confident. Um, Chris McGuire as well against old Club. I didn't realize he's like quite a legend at oxford like i don't know absolutely that. love him there yeah because he, he obviously did really well there didn't, yeah. didn't have a great time with it um at bury yeah. um but it started really well for us mm-hmm. um after hearing the
1: reports from bury i was a bit unsure about yeah him, but, i was as well you know i wasn't mm, expecting this um level of performance yeah like quite.
3: even for in the in the first half of the charlton game i thought he was like the only one one of the few because obviously we started that game quite poorly who was like kept showing for the ball and was like quite tenacious and in in the second half he was getting more room to like roam with the ball which he's got again Jack Ross acknowledging sort of not being too stubborn with the yeah. way he sets, yeah set them up. He's allowed Maguire to sort of get a bit closer to Madge um, yeah. like when we're just trying to like build attacks, so hopefully he can continue his good form and get the ex-player curse on Oxford. Yeah, Apologise um, for scoring something in modern
1: <laughs> football like that. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, well, Jack Ross did his pre-game presser this afternoon and let's see what he had to say.
2: I think going back to again how we recruited and what we believe we have in the, in the changing room and plus as I can as a consistency in what we do, and we use a lot of the same words all the time and the same messages. So, we use you know, talk about being relentless and being resilient, and you know, again, they're, they're hammered home at them all the time in different ways. Um, and I think that as long as we keep training the we'll way we're training in terms of the tempo and the intensity, we'll keep playing the same way. As soon as we come off out in the training pitch, our performances will start to dip. And the, the players are are good, they understand that, and they've got already they can. They can see a potential prize for them. I know it's ridiculously early, but you know the prize for me has always been, has been obvious and has been clear and has been ambitions always been made to them. And now they can start to see that and they think, oh, do you know what? Well, I could quite fancy about this. And but they know equally how. The good thing is that the games haven't been easy. I think if the games had been easy, we'd be sitting. You to more concerned about that. But they know how hard they've had to work to win games. You know they're the ones that are out in the pitch doing it, and how hard the games have been to turn around and the challenges they face within these games. It's lastly,
0: from me. A couple of enjoyable away trips, of course. I mean, pleased to be back on home this
2: weekend. Yeah, because I think that I think you know the manner in which we've tried to approach home games and the way we play, I think, is suited to playing at home. Um, and you know, away from home, I know I keep repeating myself in this sense, but all the away games today, and I don't think any of them are going to change. They've all been pretty much show houses. There's been a big away support, but there's been a home support that's that's reacted to that big away support and reacted to perception of Sunderland um, being in the league and so it's made these away games almost like cup ties and that again the players are getting used to that so it's nice to I'm the home games are still going to be challenging but they're going to be different so I think that I mentioned the other players have been excited to be back at home. I think they're looking forward to it. pitch is terrific just now. The size of the pitch, all these things I think are in our, our favour. Uh,
1: so that was Jack Ross ahead of this weekend's game against Oxford. How do you think we're going to shape up though? He mentioned that uh, Leuven's as a doubt. He's going to be a bit of a miss, isn't he? He's been, well, there was a couple of times, did anyone notice against Scunthorpe where he did a couple of boo-boos?
3: Yeah, Um is that him? I hope that's just him maybe... I think that was him being getting to d- grips with things a bit. The thing I worry about with Leuvens is, and we saw it mainly in the Charlton game, and Oz, I think he got away with a lot of criticism for that. I don't want to criticise him too much. I think he's been quite impressive yeah. since he's arrived. But I think he escaped a lot of criticism in the Charlton game because Ozturk was so poor. Mm, mm. Um, but Ozturk may have to come in yeah, if Leuvens is play, injured. Um, and Ozturk played quite well against Wimbledon. Mm. I think that's because Ozturk, like Leuvens, will struggle when we're playing a little bit of a higher line. He's playing against pace. Yeah, they were able to sit deeper against Wimbledon. He was just having to win things in the air. He uses the physicality helped. Yeah, though, didn't exactly. It? Yeah. Um, not hundred percent sure how Oxford play, to be honest. No. So if they're that more that kind of side, then hopefully it'll suit Ozturk. Yeah. But what they've done his confidence a world of good getting through that Wimbledon game. You know, since he came on the pitch, he didn't concede. So in in his mind, he's kept. Clean sheets until he came onto the pitch, so hopefully him alongside Baldwin as well, who looks at this level an absolute class act, will yeah hopefully still work out.
1: Are you concerned going forward, Richard? You know the the, the fact that White still isn't back from fitness and Claire out obviously as well, but obviously pulling goals from midfield at the moment. I think well, it's helping that we've got such a strong midfield,
4: but I think just it's it's on the horizon. We can see those players coming back. Yeah, I I, I would have liked to see. If there was an extra striker that was that was doing the business, that would come up from the youth ranks. I just don't think the there's anything there really. Mm. So I'm I'm not I'm not that worried. I think as long as the midfield's doing doing the job for the strikers, I'm I'm yeah. happy. And yeah. there's, there's certainly
1: goals in that midfield. Yeah. So so crack on. Of course, um, um, tomorrow marks the end of the uh, opportunity for players to come and go internationally on uh, on loan. Or, or can you actually transfer? Can we, we can we can sell to other leagues um, but we can't sign I believe right. yes and obviously loan deals so obviously we've got like a couple him. of players who haven't reported back from the summer <laughs> still on the holidays um, and we still have a couple of players that I wouldn't like to see go Brian Oviedo would yeah. be probably the main one for me um I just want to get an opinion from you, Rory, first. What do you what do you think about the the fact that, you know, we finally got rid of Jack Rodwell, which seemed to be, you know, a total yeah. anomaly in the history of the club where we had this very expensive player who almost you know didn't play for us basically. And now we could be end up with two two more
4: Jack <laughs> Rodwells.
1: Um it seems we've gone quite quiet on both of them,
3: hasn't it? I think according to reports, and Dong's agent's being a bit funny, mm. which isn't helping. What, like telling jokes down the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he's, he's doing that at uh, the Borat thing where he's yeah. like, I want to sign you, and then going like, nah, slamming yeah. the phone down. Apparently, apparently, like, these European clubs don't like that.
1: Oh, man. Um, Just don't get the sarcasm.
3: But you can see why, with the attitude, clubs maybe are, and not wanting to sign them, and if they've got big wage demands, and you no, one of them, let's not forget, is Papi Gilabodji. Like yeah. He's not really given... I know he apparently was all right in France last year, but on his shown for us, he's not being particularly impressive.
1: Richard, are you concerned that if these players do come back? Because essentially, I guess they aren't earning money because they've uh, been in breach of contract. So they may have to return to get to earn some money. Uh, yeah. Would you be concerned about their uh, possible arrival back within what seems to be a settled squad and you know friends and... You know, from the outside, it looks like they would really disrupt things. Yeah, totally. I mean,
4: the, you you can't say that that they'd, they'd be welcomed with open arms if they came back into that yeah. dressing room. Certainly, when most of the players in there haven't played with them before, they'll they'll have no no credit at all. Yeah. Maybe some of the established players that that were already there before, like Catamol, mm-hmm. might be willing to give them a second chance. But I just couldn't see it happening, and unless they were they completely changed the attitude. And they came into it like like Oviedo has and be complete professionals about it, but personally I can't see that happening.
1: Oviedo as well. Are you kind of looking at the clock ticking down yeah, more, just making sure there's totally. nothing? His name's not mentioned on any timeline anywhere.
3: Because that's like a big thing with the Fleetwood game, isn't it? I know yeah. getting a bit ahead, but the Fleetwood game apparently is going to go ahead now. We yeah. apparently could have. Asked to have a postponed if we had three called up. I don't know if it's been confirmed with Oviedo and Gooch or if people are just presuming they will be called up, okay. but doesn't look like we'll get that third one because Matthews hasn't been called up for Wales okay. and McLaughlin hasn't been called up for Scotland. Mm-hmm. But it's a bit like they're two of our best attacking players. Like, I know it's not the third, that is yeah. in the rules, but they're still not gonna be there, like yeah. if they're fully fit. Um so like the fact that we're worrying about Oviedo. Potentially, if we do keep him, not having him for one game. Mm. Even if we just keep him until January. I think if he does keep playing well, I'd mm. be surprised if we held onto him. In January, because yeah. that's when Premier League clubs who are maybe struggling a little bit, or even Championship ones who are looking to push on, and we the... could get a bit of money.
1: For yeah, him. exactly. If it'd we're be... doing all right, I know it would be a big sacrifice, but if yeah. you, if we're doing okay, you can understand the situation where. Oh, know, totally. You, you and he's probably taken. on big wages yeah. as
3: well. I don't. I think if that happened, and especially if we were doing quite well yeah. come January, I don't think anyone would begrudge him. Especially because he's been so professional, yeah. and I know that you should expect the players. With the money they're earning to be professional, but well, we've not seen all... from recent seasons exactly, you know, how, exactly
1: how much we've we been taking the, the Mickey out of yeah. players, haven't we?
3: And it's more him just not being massively egotistical, and it, yeah. it goes back to the thing we were saying at the start of the show about how they do seem like really good, genuine lads, yeah. and that's what we want to see from him. So, if any of those players ended up doing quite well from us, and you know, um, being professional. Mm. But we still have to accept we're in League One. If okay. a championship club or a Premier League club comes in for one of them yeah. with decent money, they probably will get sold. That yeah. is the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And we just hope that we're in a position now where we'll reinvest the money cleverly. So that might happen out of or, but hopefully it doesn't look like it's going to happen now. He's going to
1: stay with us until we're back in the Premier League. And he's going to captain us exactly. one day as well. Yeah. Absolutely. We're at the age of 37. Yeah. Back in the Premier He's the mind. new John O'Shea. He's <laughs> yeah. with a lot more hair. Yeah. Uh, guys, we'll probably have to leave it there because uh, we've had a show full of uh, content. Uh, finally, we'll just go around the room. Uh, predictions for Saturday afternoon. Uh, Richard, what are you gonna I'm
4: going to say? And go for a cautious 2 1 cautious 2-1 Rory
3: um, comfortable 2-0 First, uh, second clean sheet because Oxford obviously is struggling for goals mm. um, not as flashy as the Scunthorpe game but nice
1: routine 2-0 win I'll take 2-0 as well uh, we'll find out what happens at the weekend and then you can listen to the regular Monday Night podcast with uh, I imagine Stephen or Gareth or some kind of variation around that uh, next week someone someone will be on uh, enjoy the match at the weekend <laughs>